When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Chuckers. I love you, Bryant. You're saying that, or that's my middle name? Who cares? I love everybody. Sure. Okay. I'm in high spirits today, Chuck. Things are moving. Stuff is taking place. Things are coming to fruition. This is out of nowhere, because you were not feeling this way, like, literally (laughs) seconds before we recorded. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. I'm impressed, dude. You can turn it on. You know why, Chuck? Well, I can tell, because you're drinking your little energy drink. Yes. I would call it an energy soda. You little dream sailor. (laughs) (laughs) That was, uh, yeah. You really liked that podcast, didn't you? I thought it was good. My favorite part was when uh, we mentioned the doctor in Berkeley, when you said, um... Vavoom or Rao or something like that. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Thanks. I, I thought um, I liked all the nose breathing I did in that podcast for some reason. Maybe we just sit around and talk about our whole podcast. <laughs> hey, Chuck. Hey, Josh. You did some time out in L.A., right? Yeah. So um, I know that you met Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> You'd love that story. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland's driver. Yeah. And him. I saw him in the grocery store, too. With his driver? No, with... A, a, How did you know it was him, then? A buxom blonde babe, actually. Gotcha. Um, it was Kiefer Sutherland, you know? I mean, it's unmistakable. Gotcha. Um, He's breathing, mouth-breathing behind me in line. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble one day for that. I know. He's a hothead, too. He just got sued. He, like, hit a photographer or somebody. Did he really? Yeah, so watch watch your back. Plus, he knows his way around a, a gun. Yes, he does. And he's ruthless, as I understand it, from what I've seen on TV. I know what you're about to ask me about Los Angeles. I know you do, because we're doing how earthquakes work. So, Chuck, let's just cut to the chase, shall we? I have never felt an earthquake out there. Nor have I. I was out there for four years, dude, and I was there when earthquakes happened, and I never realized it and felt anything. Friends of mine would be like, dude, did you feel that this morning? Yeah. No, I have no idea. Did they use a lot of that um, honey that comes in the little bear? Yes. Did they? I'll yes, bet they, they did. did. Dude. Uh, that's what they say in Cali. Gotcha. Chuck, I, I've never experienced an earthquake either. The closest um, thing to an earthquake story I have involves earthquake proofing. Let's hear it. Remember my friend Hippie Rob? Oh, yeah. Hippie Rob did a little time out in... Uh, San- also a fan of the honey bear? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hippie Rob did a uh, some time out in San Quentin, actually. Really? Yeah. Here's the thing. He was not looking forward to doing San Quentin. I, I imagine. Um, and he finds out that right when he gets there that um, 
he and all of the other relatively light offenders are going to be moved to Folsom Prison, which okay. was undergoing earthquake-proofing construction. Really? Right. So they were going to keep all of the light offenders at Folsom and then move all the light offenders at San Quentin over to Folsom. And then they moved all like the murderers and rapists and pederasts to, uh, that were at uh, San Quentin. No, at Folsom, Folsom to San over to San Quentin. Wow. That's my earthquake story. Good for Folsom. So Hippie Rob case. got off easy. He was yeah. with light offenders in Folsom. Right. Yeah. Did he? Did they actually have to work on the earthquake proofing? Were they put to work or was it just going Oh, off? I don't think so. Okay. Would you trust a guy named Hippie Rob to earthquake proof <laughs> no, your prison? I would not. I wouldn't either. So let's talk about earthquakes. Let's do it. Can I? You want a little history? I did some extra research. Let's hear it. So <clears throat> before uh, 1915... We didn't really have much of a conception of what was going on geologically with, with the continents. Right. Was it just anyone's guess at that point? Yeah. I think you or I could have come up with an adequate theory. We'd be like ghosts or something like that. Right. Um, but the, the ghosts was not an acceptable explanation for a guy named Alfred Wegener. Okay. Uh, he's German, clearly. Okay. Because his last name begins with a W, but I pronounced it with a V. Sure. A which is a dead giveaway for a German. Yeah. It's a German, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Wegener um, was actually an astronomer by training, but he was fascinated with geology. And he became increasingly fascinated when he found out that there had been fossils, identical plant and animal fossils, found um, on uh, the, let's see, that would be the east coast of South America okay. and the west coast of Africa. And at the time, the predominant theory was that there were land bridges that were now underwater, and that's how these species would have gotten together. Wegener, uh, he thought, I don't know that that's entirely true. And he also noted that Africa kind of looked like it could fit into South ah, America. Interesting point. So he started thinking about it and thinking about it. And he realized that some, he, he postulated about 300 million years ago, all of the continents were hooked together. Right. Which he called one big stinking mass of land. Right. Uh, in <laughs> Greek, that would be Pangea. Yes. And uh, so Pangea starts to break apart, and uh, basically Wegener uh, postulated that the, the continents were, in fact, still drifting. He thought that they were basically plowing along the ocean, and it was due to centrifugal force That's and spinning of the tidal earth. movement. Right, okay. and tidal movement. Make, yeah, it makes sense for the time. It, back in 1915, sure. sure. Um, he was right about the continents drifting. We know that, but... Not with the the centrifugal force right. or the tidal movement. One of his rivals calculated that um, for the tides to move a continent, mm-hmm. that that kind of force would actually stop the rotation of the Earth in less than twelve months. Right. So that wasn't it. But he was right about the continents drifting. Um, he was pretty much ridiculed during his lifetime. But in the 1950s and 60s, as we got more and more acquainted with um, the the actual ridges along the plates. Uh, they figured out that Wegener had been right. The continents were, in fact, drifting, not in the way he thought, right? Go Wegener. Go Wegener. That's the history lesson. That's good. I, I didn't know that. I know. I told you it was extra research. I'm impressed. I like that. And that's continental that's drift theory, right? Sure. Once we figure this out, that actually the, uh, what is that, the lithosphere, the surface of the Earth, uh-huh. which all these different plates make up, are actually moving along the athenosphere, which is this uh, layer of rock lubricant. that actually, it, it is a lubricant. It behaves like a liquid because right. of the heat and pressure, right? Right. So it's the goop in between the plates that's kind of cushioning everything. Right. I like that. And we figured this out. I didn't. You didn't. But, you know, sure. geologists sure. did. 
um, we, once we figured it out, we realized that that explains all sorts of stuff, like volcanoes, um, uh, trenches, yes, mountains, under uh, ocean uh, uh-huh. ridges under the ocean. But most importantly, this podcast it also explains, yeah, volcanoes, plate tectonics, earthquakes. It's good stuff. Earthquakes. No, volcanoes. Okay. Tsunami. Well, so tsunami, wait, we're sure. going to switch mid podcast and do how volcanoes work? <laughs> we should. Let's just make it up. Yeah, it really does. It explains earthquakes, uh, and it all makes sense. And I love plate tecton- te- tectonics. Who doesn't? You know, just the thought of our Earth. I don't know. Stuff like this makes me feel insignificant in a good way. That, that you know, we're kind of on this Earth humans, and we think we're all that, but <laughs> we're really at the whim of whatever the Earth decided to do. Nice. If there was something going on at the core that we didn't know about right now, and all of a sudden everything started going haywire, we'd be powerless. Oh, yeah. So I kind of like that in- insignificant feeling occasionally. I mean, we're powerless Somewhere. to, you know, baseball-sized hail. Yeah, exactly. You know, let alone the movement of continents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want some stats, Josh? Chuck, I knew you'd bring those up. There are actually many, many, many earthquakes all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you just don't feel them all. Uh, they don't get attention if you don't feel them, and they don't get attention if they're not where people are, right. which a lot of them are as well, or away from people. Uh there's one earthquake every 11 seconds, Josh. That's 8,000 per day and right. about 3 million per year. Actually, the U.S. Geological Survey maintains a site, Chuck, um, that has like updated uh, earthquake activity around the world. Really? Did you know about, let's see, six hours ago there was a 6.7 earthquake um, in Papua New Guinea? Dude, th- really? Mm-hmm. That's big. Yeah. It's hey, a pretty hey, cool site, actually. Anything over seven is on major. the major scale is Big time major. Yeah, we'll get to the Richter scale in a few. Don't give it away. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that many earthquakes is a lot, but you don't feel them if they're if they're most of them are deep underground, right? Or in uninhabited areas. Exactly. And so, unless it's in a major city or something and killing folks, it's not going to make the news, right? But speaking of killing folks, I got one more stat. I, I like this one. One point five million uh, people have died from uh, earthquake related activity. In the last hundred years alone, and you know, earthquakes get a really bad rap, Chuck, because really most of those deaths are attributed to, you know, s- collapsed structures, sure, or tsunamis or mudslides generated by the earthquake. Exactly. I it's mean, not everybody's like, like, uh, like the earthquake just opens up, the earth opens up, and people <laughs> right. are swallowed into it like the movies. Except in Superman. True. Yeah. But Remember he, that? Yeah, he reversed it though, dude. Oh uh, yeah. By yep. flying very fast. And he lied to Lex Luthor's girlfriend doing so too. He did. Jerk. Crickets. <laughs> Josh, I think we should get back to tectonics. Okay. Let's talk about plates under the earth. Okay. And what can happen, uh, basically, when these things meet up, the, the two plates meet up. Right. Which, where they, where two plates meet is a, it's a fault. Right. Right. You probably heard of the San Andreas fault line in California. Mm-hmm. Very famous fault. Faults are where most earthquake, uh, earthquakes happen. Right. I keep wanting to say volcanoes. It's so weird. So uh, what happens when plates uh, get together is they can do a couple of things. They can move apart from each other. Uh, in that case, the magma uh, comes out. Magma turns into lava. Mm-hmm. That cools and hardens, and then it kind of reforms as part of the, the structure. So it's we, like the we goop should... oozes through and then makes it more solid. Right, and then it cools and you have a new landmass form. Exactly. Right. Uh, we should also probably point out here to any uh, um, people who believe in the hollow earth theory that we're Discussing this based on the notion that the Earth's core is molten. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Nice. So uh, go ahead, Chuck. Disclaimer what, there. <laughs> what kind of fault was that that you just described? Well, no, that wasn't a fault. That's just what happens when the plates uh, move apart. Oh. Uh, when the plates uh, push together, 
One, uh, oftentimes one will go underneath the other. Like they'll meet up and then one will slide under the other one mm-hmm. and it dissolves basically at that point. And the final thing, Josh, is, uh, the plates can slide against each other. So they just kind of pass in the night basically, just kind of moving by each other very slowly. Right. And all these different things that I'm talking about where these plates meet, that is where we, we get to the faults. Right, there, there's four kinds, right? The, yes, indeed. There's four kinds that can that either go vertically or horizontally, as far as the faults are concerned. You got the normal fault and the reverse fault. Those are vertical faults, right? Uh huh. So the normal fault is where the plates actually move away from one another. The reverse fault is where they move together. Right. Right. Uh, and then you have ones that that move horizontally, which I think the San Andreas fault is is a horizontal fault. Is it a thrust fault? I think it's either a thrust fault or a strike slip fault. Okay. So it's basically the same thing, except along along horizontal lines rather than vertical, right? Yeah. But no matter which way they're moving, they can be moving apart, moving together, horizontally or vertically. Um, all fault lines are basically where plates are still pressing together. Right. Very tightly. Right. And when when they press together, they're eventually going to get locked. Yeah, because of friction. Right. But the pressure's still going. They still want to move. So all this potential energy is being built up. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, as it builds and builds and builds, the pressure eventually overcomes the resistance, and all of a sudden, you have a slip. Yep, it breaks. It does. And uh, that's that's actually the epicenter of the focus of the earthquake, where that happens. Right there. That is the key. That is what an earthquake is. Yes. Is when the initial fault, a break, or more that happen later on occur. So there you have it. We really paid that out in a dramatic fashion, didn't we? Did we? Uh, yeah. It didn't feel that dramatic to me. It will when we listen to this. Maybe it's because I know the ending. So, Chuck... We um, all die. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the ending. I can't believe you gave it away. Oh. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. 
So uh, fault zones. That's that's where there's lots of faults together. Connected, right? Yeah. So one of those one of those faults slipping. One of that um, a place where the potential energy turns kinetic all of a sudden uh-huh. can actually trigger um, faults, or, or it can actually trigger movement along other faults right. that are connected. Those fault zones you mentioned, right? Right. That's why earthquakes often happen in in a series. It's more than more than one. Right, and they all, almost always happen along the faults. But I know that very. Uh, one very famous earthquake in uh, 1811 and 1812. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't – did that happen in like December 31st and January 1st or what? Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. Thanks. 1811 and 1812. Maybe one long earthquake. Yeah, it would be. We'll find out about that. But uh, that occurred in the middle of a plate, in the middle of the North American continental plate, which was odd at the time. But It was. They found out later that deep uh, beneath the earth there was, in fact, a 600-million-year-old fault zone. So yeah. there you have it. Yeah, so it's it, it, some way or another, right? There's a fault zone in, involved, right? Indeed. So, Chuck, um, we actually have a way to measure earthquakes. Uh, we measure them through their seismic waves, right? Seismic waves. <laughs> Which seismic waves are the energy that radiates from their focus, uh-huh. and it it acts as a wave, much like a, a wave in water. Right, like if you were to throw or a sound wave, a rock in a pond, that kind of thing. There's there's two different types of waves, two major types of waves. You have body waves uh-huh. and you have surface waves. Yes. So let's talk about body waves first. Yes, they move through the inside of the earth, the inner part of the earth. Right. And well, there's two different kinds. There's primary and secondary body waves. Yeah, P waves. P waves I like, I like or S waves. Right. It's easy to remember. Sure. Mnemonic induction and lucid dreaming, etc. Right. They travel about one to five miles per second. The, the, faster than I thought. The P waves do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're actually, they can move through uh, solid, liquid, or gas. Yes, they cannot be stopped. No. So they can actually go from one end of the earth to the other. Well, they do, too, every time. Isn't that correct? I don't know. I think that's what it says. Oh, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, and these, these the, the P waves, actually, they affect the stuff that they're moving, like, say, rock, horizontally. So right. it shakes back and forth on a horizontal plane. Right. Okay? And like you said, they're the fastest, so they get there first. But I got the impression that they caused the least amount of damage. Then you have secondary right. waves, right? Secondary body waves? Yeah, that's the problem. Well, they're the first problem because they displace rock mm-hmm. perpendicularly to the direction of the wave, right? Right. So you remember the movie Tremors? Oh, yeah. Loved it. So you remember the worms going underground and it was displacing mm-hmm. dirt up uh, on the Earth's surface? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's like a uh, secondary wave, an S wave. Yeah, I love that you're quoting Tremors as our scientific backup. I love that one. <laughs> you! It's <laughs> great. Fred Ward. Classic. So, so, so actually, that was Kevin Bacon. Well, that line was Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that was such a good one. It's probably one of my top fives. It's a good one. Yeah. Um... So let's let's talk about surface waves. You want to? Well, you uh, should actually just say real quick though that they don't travel through solid material. The the secondary the, the S second, waves don't. Yeah, the S waves don't. They, yeah, so they stopped stop. at liquid uh, the liquid Earth's core. Right. Or liquid Earth if core. you believe in hollow Earth theory, they would stop when it, it became hollow because it doesn't travel through gas apparently either. Right. Yeah. They would stop at the Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to the hollow Earth theory. Can we talk about surface waves yet? Yes. We're there. Let's do it. They're like more like the waves in a body of water. Right. They move the earth up and down. Did you see some of the pictures in this article? Uh-huh. This is a really cool article for pictures. There's actually a page, a uh, picture page of nothing but earthquake aftermath pictures. Right. And, and there some were, cool uh, interactive uh, things, too, when you yeah. talked about the plate shifting, mm-hmm. some uh, animations that yeah. you can click on. 
Did you see the one with the railroad tracks? I did. The, what was that, Peru? Mm, I don't remember. There's a picture in this article of railroad tracks that um, basically just make a perfect S uh-huh. because of the surface waves that hit it during an earthquake. Well, and the crops that shifted, too. That was really cool Instead of cool the crops well. being in a straight line, yep. they had the wave in them. Yeah, so th- that's all due to surface waves. Surface waves are the ones that cause the most damage as far as we're concerned. Yeah. If you're, like, you know, a mole man or something, uh-huh. you're probably going to be more afraid of secondary body waves. Right. Up top side, we're afraid of, you know, the uh, the surface waves. The L waves or long waves is right. what they're called as well. Top top dwellers that we are. Right. So they cause the worst damage and because they move the earth up and down, like you said, a wave, a water wave mm-hmm. in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Which is, we, we don't we don't build our buildings generally to withstand wave like motion. No, well they've done a lot of work though to build buildings that can rock back and forth and move a little bit and have the foundation shift. Sure, it's called earthquake. What we were talking about reinforcement. Sure, some of my uh, apartments in L.A. actually had uh, were reinforced. You could tell, like in the walls, they would have these bars running up and stuff. It, yeah, as far as I know, Japan's on like the cutting edge of of uh, earthquake. Proofing. Of everything. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of earthquakes in Japan, huh? Yeah, and robots. And volcanoes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where are we now, Josh? You want to talk about Richter scale yet? or I think that's the inevitable conclusion. So, Josh, the Richter scale is, uh, as most people know, records a magnitude of the earthquake. Um, it's logarithmic, so that means that a whole number jump means it increases tenfold. So a six... Uh, on the Richter scale, is actually ten times as powerful as a five. Right, and a nine's a hundred times as powerful as a seven. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's serious business. And w- what the Richter st- scale does is it measures the the wave amplitude right, of the seismic energy mm-hmm. of a quake. And um, so that's the one you always hear about. Like I talked about that one in Papua New Guinea was a six point seven. Right, which is large. Anything mm-hmm. below a three generally doesn't uh, get much attention. This is just a little tremor, mm-hmm. uh, a micro a micro quake. It's kind of hard to say, and that's the that's the vast majority of earthquakes are three or less, right? Yeah, you won't see anything below four. You won't see a lot of damage going on, but anything seven and above is a uh, pretty serious business. And I know the record is a nine point five. Mm-hmm. I looked this up. Did you? Nineteen sixty Chile, right? Uh huh. You ready for some stats of my own? Oh, look at you! I mean, imagine a nine point five on the Richter scale. It's immense, it's devastating. Um. There were 1,665 people killed, 3,000 injured, and 200,000 homeless in Chile alone. Wow. Um, along with $550 million in, in damage, property damage. And what year was this? 1960. So that's $1960? That's the impression I have, yeah. Wow. Um, it, it created a tsunami that killed 61 people and caused $75 million worth of damage all the way in Hawaii. You're kidding. And in Japan, uh, there were 138 deaths and $50 million worth of damage. Wow. Yeah, and it just kind of goes on from there. You know what they said about that 1810-11 earthquake yeah. in Missouri was that they uh, could the church bells in Boston rang from the from the reverberation? I know. That's nuts. Yeah. I want to verify that. But that's that a big old earthquake big right time. there. Uh, so what you're talking about, though, with the assessing the damage, that is actually the Mercalli scale. Right, it's the, the damage done by the earthquake, which is figured out uh, many days or weeks later. Right. Not like the Richter scale. I call that the why us God scale. Right. Yeah. That's a good, good word. It's, uh, it's described in Roman numerals up to 12, which you can also say is XII. Right. And XII is where there um, is 
evident structural damage. The ground is opened up. Sure, like in the movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's been at least a tsunami or a mudslide or some other disaster. Right. Yeah. My brother felt an earthquake when he was in L.A. Pretty, pretty comes decent back one. to your brother. Well, Did he, he look handsome? He had much it? more exciting uh, things happen to him out there. I gotcha. His he, he said it felt like a buzzing, like a real loud buzzing, and then he looked at his closet and the clothes were shaking, and you know it's over. Then you know as soon as you realize what's going on, it's over. Yeah, I read about the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. They said that the sensible duration of the earthquake mm-hmm. was a minute. Really? Which I imagine probably felt like an hour. Killed three thousand people. Well, that's that just goes to show you the kind of devastation. If it only takes sixty seconds to wreak that kind of havoc, mm-hmm. what's going on? Mm-hmm. And well, that's a lot of it was fires is... that broke out afterward yeah, as sure. well. Yeah, buildings collapsing. Sure, very scary stuff. So, uh, Chuck. Well, we can't predict earthquakes. We do need to close with that. I think. Okay, they've come a long way in determining uh, the the epicenter, and they can predict aftershocks pretty well now, and uh, they can. Say hey, due to uh, history, you you are likely to have an earthquake because we think things are moving in your area. Mm-hmm. The plates may be moving, but yeah. they can't accurately say when it's going to happen. Yeah, I remember being a little kid, and and I think some scientists came out and said there's going to be a massive earthquake in you know San Francisco or California that's going to basically cause the state to break off. That's a pretty fun thing to tell kids. But they couldn't they couldn't say when it was going to happen. They said within the next X number of decades. This so. on scare a student day at your school? Yeah. So if you have any relatives in California, they will likely die. And I do have relatives in California, too. Uh, you did at the time? I still do. Hey, Aunt Barb. Okay. Yeah. Aunt Barb? Aunt Barb, Cousin Jessamy, and Cousin Wolf, along with Cousin <laughs> Peter, Cousin John. And I think that's it out there. Oh, and uh, Aunt Donna. Wow. Yeah. Crazy names. Well, they, they live in California. Wolf. He Actually, you want to know a Wolfie story? Sure. This may or may not make it in the final version, but I'll tell you, Chuck. <laughs> um, cousin Wolf was born Eric Wolf, right? Yeah, sure. His first and middle name. When he was like 11 or 12, he decided he preferred the name Wolf more, so he got his parents' permission and went down to the clerk of courts and changed his name to Wolf Eric. Really? And he's been Wolfie ever since. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. What a guy. Uh, and then um, I guess we already kind of talked about building construction. 1973 is when the Uniform Building Code came about, and it's, it's a set of standards basically that people have to follow now. Right. Whether you're in Folsom Prison, right, San Quentin, Japan, you got to follow certain standards. Chile. Sure. Oh yeah, especially Chile. You name it. So that's earthquakes in a nutshell. And we're not doing this one again unless they they figure out that the continental drift theory was complete rubbish. Right. Yeah. Good stuff, Josh. Oh, and also we should probably tell people, Chuck, there is an article uh, on how to survive an earthquake at HowStuffWorks.com. Right. You can type survive earthquake in the handy search bar, save yourself a few keystrokes, and that'll bring that right up. Good idea. And also you can just type in earthquakes, and it'll also bring up the uh, How Earthquakes Work article with all those super cool pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Let's do listener mail, buddy. Okay. Josh, I'm just going to call this sleep paralysis deluge. It was a deluge, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, last, well, it would be last week now, a couple of weeks ago probably when this is released, we had a listener mail from Drowsy Doug mm-hmm. in Oregon who had uh, the pig suit man. And he was awake but couldn't move and uh, very frightened. And apparently everyone on the face of the earth knew that this is sleep paralysis but us. Yep. And I'd heard of sleep paralysis. Me too. 
never done a whole lot of research on it, but rest assured we will do uh, an episode on this now. So here's the delusion of paper cup, Chuck? Yeah, well, I also want to say I did not respond to any of those emails, and I'm very sorry, but we got literally over 100 of them, and I just didn't have time, but I did read them. Sure. So no offense, people. And out of all the emails we got about that one from uh, medical and psychological professionals, I went with Madeline, our new 13-year-old fan. Woo! Because hers was so good. Hey, guys, I just listened to your podcast with Drowsy Doug. It sounds like what happens to me. I would be laying in bed and wake up. Unfortunately, I'm too lazy and tired to get up. But then I would see things out of this world. Like one time I woke up and I was too tired to get up, and I saw... It seems to be a common thing. And I saw in my huge half-a-sofa-sized mirror... My sister, half her body was in the mirror frozen while the rest of her was bending and moving around on my dresser. Awesome. Um, another time I saw army guys getting pulled onto my roof. Please don't give me any cures for this because I like seeing Navy SEAL guys climbing to my roof. Yeah. <laughs> so that's from Madeline. And Madeline, sounds like you might have a little case of sleep paralysis. but As long as there's no pig-suited people yeah. or don't bloody worry. We'll, faces. We'll follow up with the podcast on this and condition and... A lot of people, it sounds like they have it, actually. A lot of people are running. Yeah. They're right there with Doug. Yep. So, you keep making these promises, don't you? Yeah, we'll do it. All right. Well, if you want to uh, basically boss Chuck and me around and get us to do a podcast, send us your ideas to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored. Like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.